0: Here. We. Go.
1: That's outstanding. Like a farmer in his feet.
0: Well, if that isn't some juicy content.
1: Indeed. Circle gets the swing. I'm
0: gonna pull some fast gotcha questions.
1: Carry on, James. Carry on.
0: You know what, Craig? That's a good call.
1: For too long. All right. It is time for another edition of the Channel Futures podcast, Copy with Craig and James. I'm the editorial director of Channel Futures, Craig Galbraith. Joining me, as always, the man they call Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Our senior news editor, Mr. James Anderson. James, how the heck are you?
0: I'm doing great. Um, life's great, busy time, but with uh, with friends like you, time doesn't exist.
1: Oh, I love to hear that. That is like the ultimate compliment. So, I hope you don't mind if I start this podcast with a, a little Mia culpa. Is that alright? A, a little apology.
0: Yeah, man, you, you, you have your culpas. That's, yeah. you, you, you go off, King.
1: It truly is a case uh, where we've been away for too long. Now, first, I acknowledge I used this song in a previous podcast opener, but I think it's been like three years, so I hope our casties uh, will forgive me for that. But uh, it's been two months, uh, if you don't count the live podcast we did at the Channel Partners Conference and Expo in April, since we've had one of these little get-togethers, the two of us, uh, along with our throng of loyal casties. But uh, I apologize. It's been a busy time. We had the event uh but we're back here it's time for summer and we're gonna we're gonna be knocking out some of these podcasts what do you think it's time and uh yeah we
0: we appreciate your patience in all of this not that you really had a choice but uh yeah just to kind of follow along with this mea culpa you know i'd like to say that we can only ask our loyal casties for forgiveness forgiveness
1: I like that. It's worth noting that both of these songs, so even though I re-rack the uh, Soundgarden song, but this Matthew West song, both from 2012, you know why, James, because this is the 112th episode of the podcast. We keep it going. We keep the traditions going, even if we don't get the podcast up uh, often enough.
0: That's what matters, you know, the casties, they they really like their rituals. Uh.
1: (laughs) At least I do. Well, anyway, my friend, uh, we got a lot to talk about because we haven't uh, had this podcast in a bit. Uh, one of them is the Channel Partners Conference and Expo. As mentioned, this is the first uh, podcast we've had since then. And for those of you who haven't heard, and you probably have, it was such a record breaking event. 7,400 attendees. That smashed our old record of around 6,200. We had more than 320 exhibitors, 160 speakers I found on the website. Just record-breaking all around. It was such a good time. Uh, Time goes by so fast. It was just a few weeks ago, but uh, we're still reveling in the glory from a successful Channel Partners conference and expo.
0: Oh, yeah, it was a nice time, Craig. You know, speakers did a great job, major major props to them, um, some great events hosted within the conference that I thought were quite lovely, and we're excited to uh, see many of you again in the fall with our next show.
1: That one's coming up pretty soon in September. I know you're going to talk about that in just a second. And then after that, I'm going to talk about – we're going to go in a little reverse order here – the Channel Partners Europe event – that is just a couple of weeks away, but why don't you start, since this podcast is kind of backwards uh, normally anyway, uh, why don't you start with the MSP Summit and what's going on there in September?
0: Yeah, so no doubt you heard about the MSP Summit this Gathering of some of the the top MSP partners and and vendors and analysts in the space to talk about the industry and and network, but we've also added to that uh, what we're calling the Channel Partners Leadership Summit. And um, you know, if you do not, uh, if you're a partner that does not offer um, managed IT services, but but you are coming from more of the agent, uh, the advisor, the consultancy background, and you are wondering, hey, what's this show got for me? Well, we have tried to target our fall show to include some tracks and some content that many of you has, have been asking for. A lot of you have been asking for content that is less around technology, um, less around some of those technical nuts and bolts, and more around how to run a business, how to deal with MA, how to hire, um, how to negotiate, how to scale. And that's the question that a lot of leaders of agency firms are asking these days because growth is a challenge. Uh, but as we can see from the example of many partners, it's very much attainable. So this can be a great chance to sort of trade mindshare and do a lot of networking, but really kind of finally honed networking and um i think it's going to be a great time in addition we also have the women's leadership summit um which i believe craig is uh through the alliance of channel women our friends there right
1: yeah absolutely we're working closely with them uh overall we're looking for uh 1500 attendees and it may grow even more than that uh, for really what's a first of its kind event Uh, it's going to be for the whole channel uh we fully expect based on those industry conversations we've been having that that uh, 1500 number could grow significantly so uh it's going to be a good event my friend
0: oh yeah this channel partners europe thing you speak of What's, what's all that about
1: yeah let me tell you a little bit about that first of all we should give the dates of msp summit and leadership summit uh september 13th through the 16th we are at the caribe in orlando for that one so that's going to be a a nice time to be in florida there in mid-september okay so as for channel partners europe great event here for our friends across the pond we'll be live in london in just a couple of weeks james uh the 14th and 15th of june This is an event we expect some great success from. Uh, It started, we had our first one the year before the pandemic. We got off to a nice start, but then of course the pandemic kind of threw a wrecking ball into everything. But now we're rebounding in a big way. And the reason I say that is because it's going to be part of the famed London Tech Week. So there's gonna be a lot of opportunity, uh, not just for channel partners, but for anyone interested in technology uh, in London. We're expecting more than 500 MSPs, resellers, and vendors. Going to have some insight for more than 50 top EMEA channel leaders, innovators, and experts. Uh, James, you probably are wondering what kind of topics are going to be in the keynote stage. Are you wondering that?
0: Yeah, I've been thinking about the keynote stage topics,
1: Craig. I, I figured you were, you were thinking that the whole time because, uh, you know, we're simpatico here. Um, <laughs> It includes new business models and opportunities for MSPs, uh, understanding today's IT buyers and decision makers, channel M&A and its impact, the race to recurring revenue, and much more. Just a few sessions there, it's uh, a lot to choose from. We'll also have an expo hall where partners can meet up with suppliers, and we will recognize some of our Europe-based MSP 501 honorees. We'll, of course, provide all the links to register for these events and check out the agendas on the landing page of this podcast. James, just because the big show is in the rearview mirror doesn't mean we don't have huge things on tap in terms of events.
0: And speaking of the MSP 501, I know we're going to be talking about that a little bit later today as we are set to release the 2022 version of the list. So I'm pumped, Craig. I'm pumped.
1: Oh, talk about huge. But first, uh, we do have some great guests lined up for this podcast once again. You don't have to just hear the two of us rambling on. In fact, James, uh, it's a twofer. So why don't you set up our first interview? Yeah, I'm
0: really excited to to speak from a couple of folks from Blue Wave Technology Group. They've been making a lot of waves this year in the channel. Uh, they got their investment from Columbia Capital. Um, I believe they've acquired, I think, a, I think six agencies, p- potentially more. And, and they have, uh, I think, a unique approach to building one of these large partner firms, and, and they're trying to differentiate themselves, I think, in, in a way that's that's unique and I think reflective of some of the trends that are going on in the space. So um, let's chat with Blue Wave.
1: Before we do that, did you just say Blue Wave was making waves in the channel? Uh, I,
0: I, ne- I never mean for these puns, Craig. And
1: I, uh, I, I, I... I would have expected better from you. I mean, really, you use the word wave and it's in the title. I would have I would have thought something more like a ripple effect or something like that.
0: Or like a swell. They yeah, make lots yeah. of gentle swells in the channel.
1: All right, you're going to recognize these two guys we're talking to, so uh, let's get right into it.
0: Well, Craig, we are about to talk to a very interesting company. Uh, have you heard of Blue Wave Technology Group, Craig?
1: Oh yes, uh, actually I have, because uh, if you recall, you and I work for the same publication channel features and and you've written about them a number of times so i wouldn't be doing my job if i hadn't uh, read up on them
0: Just had uh, just had to make sure you're uh, <laughs> you were engaged there my friend well you're you, testing
1: uh, me I, I just come off vacation and you're testing me i tell you
0: it's sort of like those mandatory like phishing email phishing uh trainings that they that any good company gives their employees you know right, um, right. but anyway so blue wave technology group they're kind of the new kids on the block in a sense Columbia Capital fueled advisory firm, and they'll talk a little bit more about their specific niche in the market. Um, but they've really come onto the scene pretty hard in 2022. Um, we've written quite a few articles about them, and uh, really interesting story. Um, so the that I, I'm calling the new kids on the block, but the people we're talking to today, um, I'm not when I call them the old kids on the block. I'm not saying they're old. <laughs> Um, But these are some names that you've heard of in the channel, and uh, not necessarily from just the partner side, which is really interesting. So Kurt Allen is the strategic advisor at Blue Wave Technology Group, and Eric Brooker is the vice president of strategic partnerships. So no doubt names you've definitely heard if you've been following news in the channel uh, in the last few years. So Kurt and Eric, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here.
1: Thank you. Thanks, James. I have heard of these guys, James. (laughs) (laughs) I've been on this show.
0: So guys, so great to have you here. Um, It's been really fascinating to see both of you join Blue Wave this year, and really uh, just fascinating to see you join this team, and I'm curious to see how this is going to play out in the upcoming years. Uh, We actually spoke to Blue Wave's founder, Seth Penland, back, um, I guess, in the beginning of 2021, um, before he was really talking from a blue wave perspective he was more talking about some of the consulting that he was doing in the space and we talked a little about about m a that was happening um, but so much has changed since then we've we've had the uh, the Columbia capital announcement we've um, seen some uh, acquisitions come through already um, by Blue wave and now we've seen some of these high profile hirings that include both of you so, can you tell a little bit about tell us a little bit about the inception of Blue Wave? What was the um, impetus for its founding?
2: So uh, I'll grab this one, Eric. You know Seth is a really interesting cat. Like he, you know, was was a guy who worked in technology, worked at Webex Communications back in the day. But as we like to say back in Boston, he's wicked smart. So he he went back to school and uh, went to uh, University of Chicago, got his master's in, in um, applied economics. And uh, being an economics geek myself, I'm very impressed by that. But he went into the investment banking world and, and kicked around and he always in the back of his mind had this thought around the agent space and these you know, entrepreneurial millionaires that were being bred in the technology space by representing products uh, to customers. And so he circled back, and, and he he took a look at the space, and he had a, a really good friend who had an agency down in Texas who kind of talked him through it, and he stood up, um, you know, Blue Wave, I think Blue Wave Communications or Blue Wave uh, Blue Wave Sales, I think was his uh, initial iteration um, back in in 2017, and really dipped his toe in the space and and kind of looked at it and said. There's really no leader in the space. It's very fragmented. It's very like a lot of really good small companies. But in the other areas of advisory or consulting practice, you have leaders, you have the Bain Consultings, you have the, you know, McKenzie's like those types of things. So he, he just thought our space needed something like that. And so um in addition to building his own own agency he went out to the market and tried to raise capital eventually aligned with Columbia Capital and raised 120 million dollars to kind of fund this play and that's where we are at today you know built uh, you know a, a high level management team went out and hired hasbens like eric and i to to come <laughs> along and help but uh, you know, you know, built out an organization, kind of operational first, uh, customer facing. How do we service the market? A really, in my opinion, a really cool practice.
1: Yeah. So, guys, we've been we've been hearing a lot about Blue Wave uh, lately. I want to dig into the the business model a little bit more here. A lot about Blue Wave uh, in the same sentence as a number of other companies, and and it's something that some people are labeling as a Agent roll-up, really, the only time I'd heard that phrase before was in regard to fruit roll-ups. But uh, <laughs> agent roll-up is a, is a term I want to get into a little bit, if that's a fair assessment. And, uh, you know, how are you different from some of these other companies we're hearing about doing some similar things? So I can take
3: that, Kurt. You know, it's interesting. When I first got here a few months ago, I think the idea of agent roll-up or, hey, you guys are, are a lot like X, seemed like the the early entry into a partner that wanted to talk mergers or acquisitions. I think the agent roll-up is what we're hearing a lot, but I think our strategy is distinctly different. We're not looking to acquire just any organization. In fact, I'm not even a big fan of the word acquire or merge. This is really more us forming a partnership and, and growing together at scale. So Kurt just talked about creating this national advisory firm, something that that in scope looks and feels, again, like a, a bane or an Accenture. And to do that, we need not just more revenue, we need not just more customers, but we're looking for folks to partner with us in the sense that we're looking for companies regionally of scale, folks that have been successful at a regional level and where we can leverage their resources their know-how as entrepreneurs but also the team that they've built bringing them into the fold and bringing them into the blue wave family because we recognize it's going to take an awful lot of people resources and and candidly entrepreneurs folks that have done this before for us to scale the way in which we want. So I think that is probably number one. One of the things that really differentiates us is, sure, mergers and acquisitions, agent up, those are the, the easy catchphrases to grab someone's attention. But again, from a partnership perspective, we're looking for folks. I understand that we're going to lose some people along the way. And specifically what I mean by that is there's probably going to be some entrepreneurs that decide to exit the business. But for people that want to stay in the business, we would absolutely welcome that. So the idea, again, to grow at scale, we need people, we need resources. And I also think our strategy is very long term in nature. Again, to, to build a, a Bain or an Accenture or a Deloitte type organization, this isn't something that's going to happen overnight. This is a, a five to 10 year journey for us.
0: That's uh, pretty helpful to hear. Could you talk about a little bit about how it's going to differ um, for the entrepreneurs that choose to be part of this? I I believe Evan DeCourt from Columbia talked about how this is different from what he called a a confederated acquisition approach where people are sort of just off doing their own thing. Could you talk a little bit about what it's going to look like to kind of integrate in and kind of buying into the system of Blue Wave, Mm -hmm. if that makes
2: sense? I think that's a really important distinction, James. Uh, So that kind of federated option, and some of our peers, you know, the beauty is, I mean, as you guys know, I've I've been around the space, you know, going on 30 years now, had a transaction myself back in 2016. And, you know, there was a time where, where we just didn't think our businesses were even saleable. And now we have all this liquidity comes to the market. So there's all these solutions. And we don't claim to be the only solution, not even the best solution. We claim to be the best solution for the right people. But a lot of the plays out there, the idea is that hey, we're going to aggregate businesses, we're going to accumulate EBITDA uh, towards some type of a size arbitrage type thought, uh, but we're really not going to integrate those businesses. You come on board, run your business as your business, powered by or you're you know underneath our our umbrella, and we we're kind of betting on that the marketplace will think that because we're bigger, um, arbitrage will, will move us up from a multiple perspective. That's really not our play. Like our play, we went out and invested heavily in a management team. We are going out to acquire partners who make sense coming into our business, but we integrate them immediately. The, the longest integration timeframe we have for the most complex business is 120 days. That means that w- when uh, someone comes on board to run along beside us, within 120 days, they are carrying our brand They're on our email addresses, they're working within our single instance of Salesforce, and they're running the Blue Wave Playbook. We believe what the market is calling for, especially mid-market up through enterprise, is they want end-to-end IT management. They want someone to manage the research, selection, deployment, management, cost containment, refresh – cycle of it management so um our bet is that us and the entrepreneurial leaders in the companies that we've acquired and uh, that have come alongside us to partner with us are going to build the best and are in the process of building the best end-to-end solution for mid-market to enterprise customers but this is that federated play that's not us like we talk people out of coming on board. If, you, if you're married to your business and doing it your way, um, that's that's great. It maybe isn't a fit for us. If you're married to doing it your way and it fits along our business and you can help us be better, then we want you to come alongside us. So we're, we're a lot more selective, both for our sake and for the acquired businesses sake. In, in our model, acquiring a business and having them have regrets down the road is actually really harmful.
3: I actually think it's been really interesting just to add to that, Kurt. I think what's been so intriguing to me, the the two sort of aha moments that I've had over the last couple of months that I've been here is literally every single partner that I've reached out to is intrigued and wants to know more about our model. But listening to Kurt or myself or to Seth in particular, say, hey, this doesn't fit our model, or can I give you some direction to help you go go out and find that loan so you can scale the business the way in which you want to. It's been real fun for me to watch that, you know, in the interview process, which was a few months long, I heard this same story over and over and over from the leadership team, but that story continues to really, we're, we're laser focused. We know what we're looking for, we know what we're not. And again, to Kurt's point, if it's not a fit, that's not that there's anything wrong with it. We just know the direction that we're headed.
1: Yeah, I was going to say that business model discussion uh, is quite fascinating, guys. Um, so your CEO uh, Wayne Dietrich, uh, recently was quoted in a story talking about the future of the sourcing partner. And I'll be up front here. James actually fed me this question. He's so modest because when he says that Wayne was quoted in a story, I'm sure he's talking about one of his <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, his opinion was that the uh, team at blue wave kind of saw the writing on the wall, uh, that partners need to be providing more guidance and support across that customer life cycle, uh, saying that com- customers are demanding more heavy lifting, uh, from the partners. Uh, what is it that goes into that heavy lifting? Uh, do you guys think he was talking about?
3: I think there is a lot that goes into that. I think that this industry as a whole has evolved so much in recent years, right? We're seeing the, the the TSB community, the events that they're having at scale are much more uh, intellectual. There's much more to learn from a product perspective than, you know, Kurt said he's been doing this for almost 30 years. 30 years ago, we were talking about, you know, PRIs and connectivity. The next iteration of that was UCAS and now CCAS. Now we're talking about security, but it's more from a heavy lifting perspective, it is far more than just the procurement of the product. So we go past procurement to things like install, implementation, customer experience, and all of that. But even on the front end, we're looking at you know planning not just a year ahead, but we're having conversations with our clientele about what, what the long-term roadmap for their business looks like so we can have a long-term technology roadmap built for them. now. We also recognize that that's gonna change over time. So building the roadmap and beginning to execute on it, but also being able to pivot as their organization changes. And then I think the other thing that is a big focus for us is telecom expense management and wireless expense management. These are things that are in the business today, but we're not seeing a lot in the in, in the sub-agent community. That's not often talked about. So I think the heavy lifting is, uh, you know, I, I remember a term Grown up in this industry from cradle to grave, it's really taking them from where they are today through that entire journey of where they want to be, you know, two, three, four, five years from now. More than again, just just the procurement conversation, which which it's been for so many years.
2: And to just to dovetail on that, I mean, I think the important part is is that sometimes we we get too cute in this business and we decide what we think the market wants and what i found you know in my career is that every time i decide what the market wants i get smacked in the face and so in this case we're building a solution that the market's demanding that mid-sized to large customers mid-sized to size to enterprise customers are now demanding that all these interoperable solutions be somehow tied together. That I need provider-agnostic advice. I need to cost-contain this. So they've been calling for this, and they've had to go out and go out and get it in piecemeal. So what we're trying to do at Blue Wave is to actually truly deliver that end-to-end. And we're not alone. There's there's a couple other companies like us out there that we're rooting for because we think that bubbles the market up. But ultimately, the best way. To build a solution is to serve a demand in the market, and the market has demanded that we pull all these things together.
0: It brings me interestingly to, to sort of your both of your backgrounds. You've worked at a variety of companies, and I, I think both of you have been on the partner side to some extent. But in more recent years, you've had some big stints at different vendors. So, and it's what's interesting to me is I feel like historically um, the vendor has really taken the onus of, you know, responsibility for sort of maybe the project management side or just ensuring this sort of cradle to grave approach that that's getting taken care of. And correct me if I'm out of line here, but I guess I'm wondering if there's anything that you're taking from these experiences, Eric, you most recently being at Big Leaf and and Kurt, you being at Windstream and, and some other carriers. And I guess what it's like to bring that experience where you have this sort of responsibility uh, to bring this level of service to the end customer, what it's like bringing that into a customer facing partner organization. What's that like?
2: James, you're hitting on something that's super important. And I alluded to it a little bit in my last response about this kind of provider agnostic consulting in these interoperable solutions. And that's really what it comes down to. So today, the typical sub-agent, you know, two guys in a truck, they're out there uncovering opportunities. And then what they're doing is leveraging the resources of carriers, vendors, providers, or master agents who, you know, do a great job. They've got sales engineering expertise, they've got subject matter experts, and they're leveraging all these kind of external resources. In our opinion, uh, that's kind of why we're so fragmented and we have all these small businesses. So our thought is and we're and, and by the way we're going to leverage the master agents heavily. We believe they do uh, you know provide a tremendous service and we're spending zero time and energy developing a carrier practice cuz we're going to leverage them. So we will not be a master agent. We we are going to continue to run our business back through master agents cuz they do such a great job with that we're going to have our own sales engineering expertise. We're gonna have our own subject matter expertise. We are gonna go to customers and, and deliver truly provider agnostic consulting across the board and all these interoperable solutions. And that's where it's changed. So like James, you talk about the legacy, our legacy background with carriers and kind of how we've moved through. It was 10 years ago that we were selling point solutions. And here we are in 2022 and selling point solutions, you become irrelevant quickly. Everything's interoperable. So for us to be that kind of Bain or that, you know, McKenzie or Anderson or whatever, um, the true advisory, true national advisory, we've got to deliver all of that expertise from our practice. And that's what we're building.
1: So I wanted to ask you guys, I think it's uh, really interesting. Obviously, this month, probably the biggest story on the agent side of the channel has been Avant uh, announcing its acquisition of Planet One. Just sort of wondering uh, from your perspective, uh, where does that sit uh, in the industry? What do you think about the number of TSBs out there decreasing? We've seen it now over the years, uh, that number dropping, and it's going to drop by one more year now as well.
3: Well, I know that Kurt wants to tell you he was the first. He was the front runner <laughs> when it winning when it comes yes. to the uh, the TSBS selling. You know, it's interesting. I've had this conversation with with folks like anyone, probably anyone listening to this, but certainly the three of you over the last four to five years, and it seemed to me that the common theme is, in the end, there are going to be three to four nationally recognized TSBs. And I think we're continuing to see that. Most recently, like you said, with, with Planet One and Avant. I think consolidation, we've seen consolidation in the supplier space. We've seen consolidation in the TSB space. We're starting to see consolidation in the sub-agent community, uh, which is in, in large part, what we're here talking about today. I think it's interesting because I think it's validation of all the hard work that so many of us have put in over the years I think, you know, kudos to the Avant team, kudos to Ted Schuman and, and his team. They've built something that t- together is better. And, uh, you know, they're going to integrate. They've already started to integrate. I've had interesting conversations with, with both organizations, now one over the last couple of weeks. I think it's good for the industry. I think it's, it, again, it's validation for what we're all doing and what we've all built. And I think, you know, Wall Street coming in and wanting to be a part of this through private equity, is also uh, an affirmation of, of all the hard work that's been done over the years.
2: Yeah, and good, bad, or indifferent, I, it, it's inevitable. I mean, uh, what's happened is the TSB, it's like I still have trouble, like that rolling off my tongue, the, the renaming master agents, but, uh, you know, it, consolidation was inevitable. I mean, with, with size comes efficiency, strength, power. I mean, this is basically we're following on kind of a similar lines to uh, what distribution turned into, right? It, it's, it's Ingram, it's TD Synex, and, and, and a handful of others. And, and that's where we're headed there. And, and, that, and that's fine. I mean, it, you know, those businesses are incredibly valuable. Those um, revenue streams are, uh, you know, incredibly resilient, which is why you know capital is attracted to them but the interesting thing is as i talk as i've been kind of floating around the, the private equity world the last couple of years since my last carrier stint capital is also flowing to obviously direct selling organizations like ourselves like that same level of consolidation could happen here and and i believe that blue wave and a handful of others could end up grabbing a bunch of share and the difference is you're talking about instead of passing through 85 percent of the commissions to a sub-agent, you're talking about selling that on front line and collecting 85 percent of those commissions. So uh, what I find really attractive about Blue Wave and businesses like this as, uh, you know, I, I'm looking at where to spend my time and dollars and energy is that you can move the needle a lot faster. And, and by the way, um, I, I'm an investor in Blue Wave as well. Like, no one would hire me these days. I actually have to write a check to get a job. But uh.
0: <laughs> well, Jens, we're so happy to have you here. Really enjoyed this conversation and uh, hearing you weigh in, not just on Blue Wave, but um, you know how Blue Wave is trying to respond to what's going on in the market. I think that's really fascinating. Uh, so, as a, as a wise man once said, we will watch your career with great interest.
3: Uh, so thanks, <laughs> thanks so much for
0: coming on the show today.
3: Thanks, Thanks for having guys. us. Thanks for
0: having us. Thanks, guys. Well, Craig, I thought that was pretty enjoyable. I thought that was a nice, candid conversation about the, uh, some of the M&A going on, some of the just different uh, models that are out there that are we're going to see competing with each other over the next few years, but also kind of trying to hope hoping to sort of raise the overall tide that is the the channel.
1: Did you just say raise the tide again when we were talking about Blue Wave?
0: I mean, <laughs> I'm not meaning to do this stuff, Craig.
1: <laughs> no, it's, you know, you look at Blue Wave, you look at Bridgepoint, you look at Upstack. I mean, the the money that's pouring into this channel is is remarkable and then seeing what they're doing. And uh, it's really changing the game in the channel. It's, it's uh, very exciting to see. All right, so as you mentioned in the proverbial A block, James, uh, we do need to talk about the MSP 501.
0: Oh, yeah, Craig. So this is our jewel of an awards program. It recognizes the top managed service providers from around the world. And uh, I understand we received a record number of applicants, didn't we, this year, Craig?
1: I love talking about records, James. Our 501 team, led by Allison Francis and Jeanette Andre who we have on this very podcast before we started not doing podcasts in forever, really got the industry fired up, getting even more apps than last year, which held the previous record for applications. And our crack number crunching team has done what they do best, crunched the numbers. And James, James, <clears throat> I have the list right here. Are you ready for me to read them?
0: Well, Craig, I know even though everyone listens to this podcast, making it the ideal form uh, for the release, uh, I think that uh, I think maybe that might take too long to just list off 501 companies. So we might need to uh, create a more consumable presentation for that. Mm,
1: mm, I see. Okay. Okay. So how's this? How about I read just uh, 400 of them like in random order? So uh, people don't know where they placed.
0: I like that. I like that. Do you have a spare uh, 30 minutes?
1: No, just James. I just don't think it's fair that the podcast never gets to break any news. I mean, sure. It's hard if we haven't done a podcast in two months, but okay. I- I'm just going to read the top 10. Uh, here we go. Boy. Drum roll, please. Number 10. Deluxe cheeseburger. Hmm. Number nine, basket of fries. Oh, sorry. That's my takeout lunch order. Uh, Where is the 501 list? Where is this?
0: So we will actually be revealing the 2022 MSP 501, the week of June 13th. 100 winners each day that week through Friday on the Channel Futures website. And if you don't want to wait till Friday for the top 100, you're in luck. We're going to have a special webinar on Thursday, Thursday, June 16th, where we'll reveal those at the top of the list and also cover some important trends for MSPs that we uncovered through all of that great information that these applicants provided. It's going to be a huge week at Channel Futures with the reveal of the 501. And we, of course, will provide a link to register for that webinar on the landing page of this podcast. All right, Craig. Uh, not to distract you from looking at the real 501 list, but uh, you want to set up this next interview?
1: Yeah, sure thing, James. Uh, we got a chance to sit down with Christian Stretica, CEO and president of Vodia Networks, uh, which is well known in the industry for its IP PBX cloud based phone system. Uh, no doubt a lot of partners in our audience have sold Vodia, and if they haven't, they almost certainly have sold Snome phones. Now, Christian was the founder and CEO of Snome selling that company several years ago and transitioning to Vodia. Mm.
0: Christian's a person that's very familiar with this space, and it's it's going to be uh, nice to kind of pick his brain.
1: All right, let's do this. All right, James, uh, time to welcome in our next guest. Very excited to welcome in Christian Sridica, CEO and president of Vodia. Christian, how are you today? Good. We're glad to have you on the show. Uh, we were just talking beforehand sure. that uh, – we can pretty much assume that the vast majority of our channel partner audience listening to this has, has sold one of your products over the years because you've been in the tech business for a long time so yeah so i'd love for you to discuss a little bit about your background in technology and tell us a little bit about Vodia.
4: yeah i am actually in that whole telecom business for uh, almost 30 years now so i can't believe it myself but uh Started pretty much with this protocol SIP, the Session Initiation Protocol. And um, time is racing so fast. Um, yeah, we started a company called PBX and SIP, believing that SIP would be the protocol that's going to be the, the winner for a long, long time. Yeah, so we uh, eventually renamed the company to Vodia because obviously the SIP protocol is not the only thing we want to use
1: in this, in this uh, industry. Yeah, and for those uh, who have uh, sold Snom phones before, can you talk a little bit about your background there as well?
4: We, uh, we actually, we made a company, one of the first companies making VoIP phones. So really from the very beginning, uh, where people are laughing about us, about this whole VoIP thing. We made the infamous Snom 100, which was really um, yeah, more or less a prototype. But anyway, we, we were one of the first making a VoIP phone, and I think that took us um, yeah, pretty far. So we um, made generation after generation. And um, so I can say I was there from the beginning uh, until VTech took over. So I think we found a great partner for for Snom to um, take care about uh, the global uh, business and distribution and everything. So I think that was a great step for Snom. And I think uh, they are very well positioned to deliver great VoIP phones in the coming years.
0: Awesome. Uh, Now, Vodia is is big on WebRTC. Can you talk a little bit about that technology and what it does?
4: Yeah, WebRTC is actually it's an API inside the browser, so it's not the same thing like SIP. It's not really a signaling protocol. It's actually more about the question: How do we transport audio and video from one browser to another one? It's like I mean, something that we didn't really have on the SIP protocol for many years is like uh, interoperability is really great. That means if you have two different browsers, um, they will definitely talk very well to each other using WebRTC. And I think that makes it um, very interesting because um, using WebRTC, uh, many companies are able to roll out services where interoperability is no headache at all. and, And it just works.
1: So Christian, let's talk a little bit more about WebRTC. I'm curious to sort of connect this to our channel partner audience and why a solution featuring a WebRTC might be a good selling point for them to go to a customer with.
4: More and more people that just want to use a browser for whatever they're doing. It's like you want to sell a CRM system. I mean, practically all CRM systems have moved into the browser. I I, I don't even know a single CRM system that's using a native app. And I think the same thing is happening right now with... uh, telecommunications as well where practically everything is in a browser that i think that's kind of pushing the, the whole industry into that direction the browser essentially killing one hardware platform after the other one even like uh, applications after the other everything going into html5 and essentially the telecom industry is just the next victim where um, we're going to see that transition so and i think as a as a channel partner you want to be you don't want to miss the boat. So I think you want to be on board. You want to actually be pushing it. So you want to be one of the earlier ones doing that transition and not the last one.
0: So Christian, you know, you've historically sold desk phones and now we're talking about VoIP phones. I'd like to ask you, is there always going to be a place for a phone that's sitting on top of the desk? Or do you think at some point everyone is going to transition to a soft phone?
4: So, I mean, what I've learned in the telecom industry that the clocks are ticking a little bit slower, first of all. So, transitionings are not that quickly as in other industries. That's why I would say, uh, yes, there is a transitioning, but it's definitely going to be a lot slower. But the other thing is you have to keep in mind, not, not everybody works on desk, right? And I think you, you kind of, in the question, you kind of mentioned that already. You think about factory halls, think about battleships, you know, think about uh, airports and... and uh, actually hotels right so there are many places where you don't have that classical desk setup actually where you don't even want to have a personal device you want to have more like a device that belongs to the building or to to the company and i think in these kind of setups it still makes a lot more sense to have a dedicated device so i think yes first of all they will be transitioning it will be slower and there's still like a certain percentage of the market that i think will need dedicated devices for a long long time so I wouldn't be too negative about um, desktop phones. I think this is, an, um, this is a kind of device class that's going to be there for a long, long time.
1: Yeah, it's sort of been a, a fascinating conversation. It seems like we've been having this one uh, for years and there are people on both sides of the, of the fence there. But I, I think you're, you're on target there, Christian. There, there's definitely going to be that uh, need uh, out there. So, you've worked hard to make sure that Vodia technology is secure. Uh, security, of course, is so top of mind these days. Curious what strides will need to be made uh, to make sure cloud communications uh, continue to be uh, somewhat challenging to penetrate for those bad actors out there?
4: I think the easiest to do that is essentially do whatever has been done in the HTTP world and the web world. Right? So, uh, it's kind of hard to have a separate Technology and separate defense mechanisms. That's why I think the WebRTC is another reason to go that direction because with WebRTC and and the web-based technology behind it, you can essentially just piggyback on all the the stuff which is already out there. So, in other words, if you're able to secure your web server, you're also able to secure your your telephone system, right? So, like like even the big cloud providers are offering like load balancers and anti-DDoS solutions that handle all these kind of attacks anyway. And then all we have to do is just put our cloud service, which used, to, which happens to be a telephony service, behind those uh, services. And that will give us already like a tremendous improvement in, in uh, security. And then you have to keep in mind, nobody does attacks these days just for fun or very few people. And it is not so cheap anymore to make those massive attacks. So people are thinking where to spend their money on attacks and they will definitely go for the lower hanging fruit or the whatever, let's say the big banks or the big uh, coin bases. So, and I think the telephony can be um, kind of um, behind all that. So then we don't have to worry so much about the security of our cloud uh, communication platform.
0: Well, Christian, um, thanks for talking to us today um, about Vodia and, and some of these trends you're seeing, both in uh, WebRTC and in you nearly know, like communications in general.
4: Thanks for having me like to see you around in the industry maybe the next conference but it was always a pleasure to be in the
1: telecom industry absolutely christian thanks for your time today great to talk uh, both technology and business hi james good stuff there with christian stridica uh, he certainly knows his stuff uh, going way back in the channel knows his technology and knows the business of how to sell these phones and it was great to catch up with him
0: yeah i was uh, it was a nice chat
1: all right. So James, before we go, I just wanted to, you know, we haven't, uh, I think I've mentioned this 20 times in this podcast, but we, we went a few weeks in between, uh, information for our loyal casties. So I just thought we'd catch up briefly on the news of the day. And, and to me, that is all around MA. We've been talking about it now for, well, for years, frankly, but it seems like in the last year it has picked up exponentially. And you've been, uh, a major contributor to the Channel Futures website on some of these uh, stories about mergers and acquisitions. Uh, Most notably, I wanted to talk about a couple of them. One of them is Avant uh, buying Planet One. So for the agent space, I mean, this is just huge. And uh, I think it was one a lot of us didn't really see coming.
0: Yeah, I had sort of heard some of these rumblings and people saying that Avant's going to buy a TSB. I assumed it would be like a smaller... TSB maybe more like regionally focused than Planet one. And so seeing Planet one and you know seeing Ted Schumann in that deal, yeah, I, I was shocked, but it, from, from my understanding um, they were kind of the what's the phrase like the popular kid on the block or, or the, the, the 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 strong arm in the Dodgeball gym <laughs> session that's getting picked.
1: You you are the king of the made up metaphors. Uh, that's uh, that's what I gotta say about that.
0: And what I heard, you know, multiple multiple firms had had been uh, pursuing them and oh. uh, got a lot of offers, and and they they really liked what they had from Avant, and uh, most people would say that they are pretty complimentary. I think that was. An overarching thing that I heard is that they fit each other pretty well, not much overlap. But it really does make things serious for the remaining companies that want to be, quote unquote, national TSBs. Um, Lots of people tell me, you know, that we're going to be we're going to have three or four. Some some really think it's going to be three TSBs that are in the space that are that are going to be really successful. You know two to three years from now and and now i'm seeing that maybe that's going to be just one year from now so so curious yeah. to see the next company um that gets uh that gets snapped up snapped up that gets uh you know that gets bought and uh who who ends up really staying independent i i don't i don't know but we'll see
1: yeah i don't know if that's uh, going to be possible anymore with uh, the competitive nature of of things but uh, i totally agree with you Hey, James, let's talk about the other one uh, that's really big, sort of uh, covering the whole channel, and that is the announcement here of Broadcom buying VMware for $61 billion. Uh, Now, that seems like a big chunk of change.
0: A lot of money, Craig. A whole lot of money, and it it really dramatically um, shifts, basically, Broadcom's portfolio. So their last earnings said that they were... Doing about 23% of their revenue through infrastructure software, whereas their semiconductor solutions were the other percent. Uh, oh. <laughs> and so they think they think that uh, VMware is going to put their software as accounting for 50% of their total revenue. So it's a big change. A lot of people felt like it, it was time for VMware to make a move as they are. You know, I mean, there's certainly a leader in their space, but beginning to be viewed as a uh, quote unquote legacy technology that was trying to make the pivot to as a service, but Mm -hmm. may need a little more uh, fuel in the tank to get there. And so the, you know, the upside is, is that that's. That's what both companies end up getting out of this. Now, there's a lot of questions um, I wrote on Friday about just the reaction from MSPs and resellers who are, you know, most of them are hopeful. Some of them, you know, feel like they're, there's going to be some tough lifts here. And, and you have some customers that are, let's say, not super pleased about
1: no. it. Yeah, well, you're always going to get that with any sort of. Merger, I, it'll be interesting to watch because VMware has been such a big player in the channel, um, Broadcom a little less so. Uh, so it's going to, the integration I think will be the, the curious thing as it always is uh, to see how this ultimately impacts the channel. Assuming uh, anytime you look at a merger that is this big or an acquisition in this case uh, with that sort of a price tag, uh, whether it gets approved by regulators. Uh, so we will be watching that. I understand uh, we're probably looking at several months on that, I would guess.
0: Yeah, I think they said fiscal year 2023, so which I think uh, is is about is still about in, in, in uh more than a year out. So, huh. yeah, and I, it was interesting talking to the different partner types about it because there there is a little bit of convergence here because just because of all the companies that VMware has purchased, um, right. the, the one that I think touches the agent channel most closely would be uh, VeloCloud, the, the SD WAN company they bought. Um, I think. I think five years ago and so a lot of agents have sold velo cloud and they've they've gone through and msps and resellers as well sold velo cloud but they've gone so there's some changes over the years and so they have an interesting kind of experience of what consolidation has been like thus far and, and what they think that's going to be like in the future so very interesting stuff
1: absolutely something we'll be talking about much more on this podcast i'm sure uh, pretty good uh, talking a little news with you instead of some of the silliness that we usually do. But we'll bring more of that back too. We'll, we'll give people a little bit of everything on this podcast.
0: Yeah, you know, you need your shenanigans and you need your 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 serious talks. You know, you got to mix it up. It's like it's like uh, hardware and software. You know, you got you got to have a little bit of both.
1: Speaking of serious talks, or in this case, little talks, which is kind of what we do here on Coffee with Craig and James, closing out with some uh, monsters and men from when James. What year? What year do you think, if you were to guess?
0: Twenty twelve, the year I graduated high school.
1: Oh my goodness and of course the 112th podcast brings a song from 2012 to close us out just as we open the podcast with two songs from 2012 and i'm telling you james we're just a few months away from getting to the 122nd or third podcast and we're going to be really messed
2: up what
0: happen in 2022
1: we'll see all right if you'd like to check out the archive of coffee with craig and james and why wouldn't you You can go just about anywhere you get the podcast. We would certainly appreciate it if you would check us out. Where, James?
2: On our flagship news
1: site. ChannelFutures.com. Thanks so much for joining us, and we're going to see you again really soon.
0: Be well, everybody.